Welcome back to another episode of the Back in Session podcast with your hosts, Ryan Stevens and Ryan DeMere. How's it going, Ryan? Can't complain. How about you? Oh, had a had a pretty good weekend. Uh, Pennsylvania Society. It's um, always good. Great, great event um, where Pennsylvanians go to New York City to celebrate Pennsylvania. <laughs> 125 years. 125 years of tradition, and for the people that complain about it, uh, you have to experience it. It's a great time. Um, it's always great to see see old friends, meet new friends, um, and just build relationships, uh, you know, celebrating Pennsylvania. I will say, too, I, I do think um, there is a real bipartisan value to that event. The politics oh, kind of stays in Pennsylvania for the weekend. Everybody goes up. Everybody's friends. I think you make real connections there. Uh, and something that brings everybody together. And something about being in New York at Christmas time, too. Yeah, something about being in New York at Christmas time. Absolutely. For those of you who have not been to New York City at Christmas time, you may have seen the Rockefeller tree online or on TV. Giant Christmas tree, you know, at Rockefeller Center that's lit up and you can go and there are hundreds, if not thousands of people there also taking pictures, but it's a, it's a, it's a really cool uh, experience just to, just to go and see. And it sort of feeds into what we're here to talk to you about. The perfect today, segue, Ryan. I like how is, you did that. Yes, that was, you're, get, that you're was getting pretty designed. good at this whole podcast thing. Yeah. We're, we're working to find our voice here in our rhythm. So p- please bear with us if we have not fully, fully done that, but we're working on it. So yeah. Yeah. Perfect segue into this episode, uh, which is with Tim O'Connor from the National Christmas Tree Association, the NCTA. Tim's the executive director. I think we had a pretty good conversation with Tim talking about all things Christmas trees, what they do, dispel some of the myths about real Christmas trees. And he talks about why you should choose real trees as opposed to artificial trees. And I can at least say, and I mentioned this on our interview, but there's something about that real Christmas tree smell, the experience, you know, you think about Christmas vacation with Chevy chase at the beginning, going out with his family to find, to find a Christmas tree. And there's always a funny story, you know, dad, dad can't cut the tree or, you know, falls down the wrong way or something, something funny. So it's, it's a great experience for the Christmas season. Really enjoyed our conversation. I think everybody else will too. Uh, any any other thoughts, Ryan, on how on how the conversation goes? I think it was great. He had a couple really great perspectives that I never would have thought of before, particularly when he talked about the safety uh, element that you do hear about sometimes in the media and otherwise uh, with the environmental impact, which is something I think you hear a lot about now. Very, very informative and educational. Absolutely. That being said, here's our interview with Tim O'Connor, Executive Director of the National Christmas Tree Association. Well, Tim, welcome to the Back in Session podcast. Uh, how are you doing today? Excellent. How about you, Ryan? Uh, doing well. We just came off uh, a weekend of Pennsylvania Society in New York City, uh, where I got to go and see the Rockefeller tree. Are you guys involved in in the selection of the Rockefeller tree by chance? No, we don't have anything to do with that. You don't? Okay. Um, well, it's always good to see a bunch of uh, a bunch of real Christmas trees throughout New York City <laughs> this time of year. Um, but yeah, re- really appreciate you hopping on the podcast today. 
Um, do you mind just telling us a little bit about the National Christmas Tree Association and about the history of the organization? Sure. So in simple terms, the National Christmas Tree Association, or NCTA, is the Association of Christmas Tree Growers. So we represent the farm-grown Christmas tree industry. We're the typical National Trade Association, the advocacy organization for the industry. Um, our primary functions are representing the industry before the federal government, uh, serving as the spokesperson for the industry, and particularly uh, with the media, as the calendar gets closer to Christmas time, every media outlet wants a Christmas tree story of some kind. And unfortunately, a lot of them want a sensational one, where they're picking up uh, little pieces of information, taking it out of context and wanting to create a story that will grab clicks and eyeballs. And so we we do our best to help them understand what facts are from fiction and and to really get accurate messages out about the industry. But, you know, essentially what we do is, is you know, we do represent uh, the growers in the country who grow Christmas trees as either their entire business or part of their business portfolio. How many growers are there in the tree? You know, it's a it's a tricky number to really know. Um, the thing with Christmas trees that's a little bit unique, although it exists in other parts of agriculture, is there are a lot of people who don't earn their living growing them, but they still grow them. So they work somewhere as a full-time employee, but then when they get home, they have, you know, 10 acres or whatever uh, with Christmas trees growing on it. And then every year when it's Christmas season, they sell those trees. So they they would technically count as a grower, um, but they're not really uh, full-time producers uh, where that's their entire livelihood. So they they aren't somebody who would step up and be a member of a national association and commit the resources and the time to something like that, typically. So I don't know, we use the number 4,000, but that's an estimate. It, it's not based on rocket science. So Tim, what are some particular challenges that you see facing the industry right now? Well, we're not different than a lot of other agricultural interests. Labor is a big issue, particularly because it's a seasonal business where um, growers need labor at times, but they don't need labor 365 days a year. So uh, particularly H-2A and H-2B programs are of significant importance to the industry to be able to get seasonal labor. Uh, trucking regulations, pesticide regulations, herbicide regulations, taxation, uh, you know, pretty much the the whole ball of, of business-related legislative and regulatory matters that would affect anyone in agriculture, uh, affect Christmas trees. And, and and you all focus mostly on the federal government, you said. Do you dabble in state or do states typically have their own individual like state chapters? There are state and regional associations who, uh, if they do any public policy, they do it on that level. We don't try to engage with, you know, 50 state legislatures. We're not a, a big association. We don't have the capability to do that. Yeah, it can be a little difficult at times, I'm sure, trying to uh, trying to dabble in 
uh, 50 states for sure. But um, yeah, no, that, that that's interesting. Um, and, and then my, ne- my next question, doing some research into the NCTA, um, really found a lot of interesting information and hope that you can shed some light on why people should choose real trees as opposed to artificial trees. And is there an environmental aspect that most people actually might not be considering when they go artificial as opposed to uh, real trees? I spent a long time working for the beef industry and we had a saying that would quantify that question as fall off your horse simple. It's (laughs) by far a no brainer that a real product of nature is better for the environment then and the fake tree that starts out as oil pulled out of the ground sent to a factory in china turned into pvc plastic combined with metal in a factory in china and then shipped over on a boat that never will decompose when it's done and it sits in the landfill for a thousand years or more the idea that that's a better choice for the environment than a real tree is pretty much a laughable premise But yet it's one that people hold because they've been ingrained for so long not to cut a tree. That cutting a tree is bad for the environment. And while that may be a debate to have about trees that are in the forest when they're cut and they'll never be replaced, Christmas trees are a farm crop. If you're a Christmas tree grower, uh, when you harvest a tree, you have to replace it in your crop rotation or you're out of business in the future. You don't have another tree to sell. So it is an ongoing production system. When you look at the real tree while it's growing, which is an eight to 12 year lifespan generally, although there are variations to that, it's turning carbon dioxide into oxygen. Christmas trees are typically grown on more hilly, even mountainous soil areas. So they're holding down and preventing erosion with the root system. They provide wildlife habitat. They're grown by family farms. Um, there aren't any big commercial interests in the Christmas tree business. So, you know, consumers who'd like to know where their money goes or their money's going to support you know, family farms who buy goods and services in their local communities. Um, they can know the story of the Christmas tree in most cases and um, you know, really support a unique segment, especially agriculture. So it's for us, it's just so simple. And then the experience um, that families get from a real Christmas tree, I always like to share this example. Picture a split screen. On one screen, you've got dad dragging the dusty box out of the basement or attic, slapping up Christmas tree and saying, there it is, kids. And on the other screen, you've got the family, they get their coats on, they go get in the car, they drive somewhere, they spend time together walking through the trees, picking out the right one, bringing it home, and having that time together. And then also for me, at least, um, I would never, ever consider giving my wife plastic roses for Valentine's Day. That's a non-starter. That's a good point. It's <laughs> a very good I point. I just don't. I just don't get why you want a plastic tree as the centerpiece for Christmas in your home. Yeah. Yeah. I I think you, you make a good point because the holidays are all about, you know, 
being a family and getting together with family and loved ones. And at least for me, like when I was a kid, we lived in a very urban area, but I remember my dad would always drive us out to a, to a Christmas tree farm. And there's something special about, you know, going out there and cutting down the tree and having that, just that natural smell, you know what I mean? Um, like yeah. I can still smell it now. <laughs> um, you know, when I was a kid. You, even if you couldn't go to the farm and you went somewhere to a, a, a tree lot and bought yeah. a tree, you still get the experience of walking through the trees together, figuring out which one is the one that's right for you, getting it home. You know, there's always a story around Christmas trees. It's a unique experience each year. The dusty box is always the same. You know, it just, I, for, there are a lot of reasons that I just don't get the artificial tree with the exception that, you know, certainly the phenomenon has been as, you know, as families see their kids grow up and move out of the home, empty nesters switch to fake trees. That's, again, I, I still don't believe that that's the way I will want to celebrate when my kids aren't home. But I, you know, as I've talked to lots of them in focus groups, they just look at it as well. It's just easier. Yeah. And is it true that the first artificial tree was made by a toilet brush company? I think I read yep. that. <laughs> That's correct. Just so you got a toilet brush in your family room. That's nice. <laughs> That's good. That's good to knew. know. I don't think I ever knew that. Yeah. Uh, so, Tim, I, I believe since the mid-1960s, members of the NCTA have uh, been involved in, in presenting the official White House Christmas tree. Can you give a little bit of insight into that process, how the tree is selected, um, you know, what member gets the honor of having their tree chosen and just sort of an overview of that. So we just presented the tree on November 20th to the first lady. That was the 58th year in a row uh, that, that NCTA has presented the tree to the first lady. It's, it's a wonderful tradition. It's a great partnership we have with the white house, a huge win for the industry. Literally the audience of people who see that is the size of the audience who watches the Super Bowl. Over 100 million people through live and or video clips that are on the internet see the presentation of that tree. And the way it works is we hold a national tree contest. And we choose a grand champion grower. So they win the title of grand champion grower. And with it comes the honor of presenting the tree to the first lady. So in order to be a contestant in the national Christmas tree contest, you have to have won your state or regional association contest first. So it's a multi-year process and it's a contest of those winners to then pick the champion tree. And you know, once we have a champion grower picked, then we have to select a tree for the White House. So there's always a day in typically late September to mid-October where the White House team and I come to the grower's farm. And there are some pretty exacting criteria for the tree that goes into the White House. It goes in the blue room, which is an oval room. It's exactly the same size as the Oval Office. The Oval Office, in fact, was added to the White House as a replica of the blue room so it's the same dimensions, but the tree sits in the middle of the room. The chandelier is removed and the tree goes all the way up to the ceiling and pulls power out of the chandelier base in order to light the tree. So it has to be 
the height of the ceiling, which is 18 and a half feet. It can be a little taller and then they cut it to fit the room, but it can't be shorter. Can't be a ton longer. Uh, and then the diameter of the tree is important because there are other things going on in the room. So it has to be, you know, of the right size, usually somewhere in the 12 to 14 foot range. And because it's in the center of the room, not only does it have to be a perfect tree to be the centerpiece of the White House, but there's no corner to hide any flaws in it. Uh, like you might be able to do at home. I really like this tree. It's got this one little spot on the back where it's missing a few branches to fill it in completely. We'll just stick that in the corner and we're good. Yeah, you can't do that in the center of the blue room. So it really does have to be a, a perfect tree all the way around. And where was this year's tree from? Uh, our grand champion grower is from Fleetwood, North Carolina this year. And do you see any states in particular that have a history of, I guess, producing trees for, for this purpose? Uh, does any state stand out in particular? Well, I think it's more uh, the grower's commitment to being contestants. Um, and yes, we do. North Carolina uh, has won multiple times. Pennsylvania has won multiple times. West Virginia has won multiple times. Wisconsin has won multiple times. And so, you know, it, it's 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 a combination of those are good places to go Christmas trees, but there are others as well. But those growers in those states are focused on, they, they like to compete in the contest. Uh, they pursue that and uh, they work hard at it. I had a feeling you would mention Pennsylvania as a Pennsylvania resident. I wanted to get that shout out. So <laughs> appreciate that. Yeah. So you mentioned a little bit uh, before referencing you primarily work with the federal government. So how do you typically approach engaging the federal government and keeping stakeholders and loop on issues that might pertain to your association, your membership? Well, first and foremost, Excuse me. We partner with the American Hort Organization, which is the organization that represents uh, the landscape, greenhouse, uh, you know, horticulture industry. Uh, they have a full-time lobbyist team on the ground in D.C. And NCTA has partnered with them for a long time as our advocacy partner. And so they also represent our issues on a daily basis in DC. And you know, we have we have the same bundle of issues. There's really a seamless perspective on how these issues affect you know horticultural crops and Christmas trees. We have yet to have any kind of a divergence in, in, a, in a piece of regulatory or legislative issues. So that's that's the first and, and most important way we approach it is we do have really talented, full-time, highly experienced folks on the ground every day interacting with members of Congress, their staff, uh, interacting with the agencies uh, as needed. Then we can pull in you know, others uh, wherever we might need to provide a grower's perspective for testimony or whatever it might be. Um, and of course we communicate with our membership through a variety of pretty traditional tools of, you know, newsletters and magazines and publications that, that talk to our members about the issues, what we're doing. We have 
leadership who gets involved in making decisions as we approach policy matters. Very typical of any association I've worked with. And with with that in mind, what do you see the role of the NCTA being in 10 years from now? Because you guys have been around for over a while now. So how do you see the organization growing? Um, just curious to get your thoughts there. Well, the organization had its 65th anniversary a couple of years ago. Um, so yeah, it's been around a while. I honestly don't see the role of the organization changing uh, significantly. You know, the industry really doesn't have any other capacity to advocate at the federal government level that would be effective. You could have one or two states trying to do it, but they, you know, you probably have seen that model in other industries where states try to have an outsized voice and it gets convoluted between other states maybe having a different voice and a national voice is always a better way for a, an industry organization to approach things and you know the industry needs to sort out among itself where the policy issues are that they can all agree on and all want to you know take forward we don't have any challenges within our industry where we have regional disagreements like some agricultural groups do so we haven't had any uh, challenges to to sort out well group a wants this and group b wants that but i've seen that before uh, makes it more challenging when you have that but uh you know for the most part i believe that the industry will need a national association to advocate for itself certainly needs a national association to be a spokesperson on its behalf um you know, we look at the work we do with the White House tree as part of that spokesperson activity. It's a big part of our media interaction. It's the single largest agricultural promotional activity um, that that's out there in the country. And it's one that we're extremely proud of. And it's such a, a piece of advocacy for the industry. You know, I, I those things we continue to do. We also interact with uh, the folks who regulate fire codes and implement fire codes. And uh, unfortunately, Christmas trees have been blamed for holiday fires. Um, and they're tragic, of course, when a holiday fire occurs. But we are dead serious when we talk to folks about that, whether it's the media or the professional fire industry. Trees do not self-combust. There is not a single incident of a tree starting a fire. If trees are involved in a fire, there's some source of heat or electrical spark that ignited it, and the tree has been let to dry out. If anybody's ever tried to make a campfire with green wood, they know that burning a well-cared-for tree is not going to be very successful. You have to really dry one out <clears throat> in order to burn it. So it hasn't been cared for properly, and it's been exposed to some sort of igniter if there's a, a Christmas tree involved in a fire. Interestingly, as we engage with the National Fire Prevention Association, they do keep statistics. Candles are by far the biggest source of holiday fires by a huge magnitude. 
compared to incidents where Christmas trees might be involved. I mean, we're talking thousands and thousands of fires that happen annually from candles in a very small number that might involve a Christmas tree. So is that a myth that you have to spend a lot of time educating folks on, particularly in the media, trying to just dispel that myth? It is one of them, yes. And, you know, unfortunately, fire codes in some places have precluded real trees from being in public buildings because of that myth. Wow. I did not realize that. That's, yeah. that's, that's interesting to know. It isn't everywhere, but there are codes that prohibit that because gotcha. of the belief that Christmas trees cause fires. Right. And then at least like going going back to you as a, as a person, you, you mentioned that you worked for, for the beef industry previously. How, how did you come to the NCTA? What, what's, what's your background personally? Just curious to, to know that. I have managed agricultural associations and marketing programs you know, pretty much my whole career. And uh, a number of years ago, I started my own consulting business where organizations like NCTA are my clients to manage their, you know, either their whole association or provide strategic consulting for them or project-based consulting. So currently I, NCTA is, is one of my clients and we manage their association, but I, you know, spent over 30 years doing similar work across different sectors of agriculture. It's very interesting. Um, but while we have you, we, we have to ask the question, do you have a, a personal favorite type of Christmas tree? We actually try to get something different every year on purpose. Uh, they tend to be fir trees. You know, the, the pine trees with the long needles are still very nice trees. And there are some parts of the country where they grow better. So they're more available locally in some areas, but generally the fir trees have become the more popular. You do see some spruce trees now and then, but uh, the majority of what you see when you go shopping anymore for trees are fir trees. So, you know, I'd say we've had fir trees for quite a while because of that, but we do, you know, try to find something different each year when we shop to the extent we can. No, that that that's interesting. I, I, fur's a personal favorite of mine as well, but it could be because those are more available where I'm at. Um, but yeah, j- no, appreciate your time, Tim. Um, we can we can wrap things up, but before we do, where can our listeners go to learn more about the NCTA? Well, the best place uh, is on our website. Um, if you Google up "real Christmas trees," you'll come across it, or National Christmas Tree Association. You know, as I said, we are the Association of Christmas Tree Growers. We do have information for consumers on our site about caring for trees properly. We do have a a tree locator where people can find a tree farm uh, or a lot that's managed by a grower um, in order to look for where they might find a tree that's nearby. That's great. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Absolutely. And that's another episode of the Back in Session podcast with the Ryans. Ryan, how did you think that conversation went? I thought it was great. Super informative. Very educational. Definitely helped, I think, provide some real clarity on 
some of the issues that he talked about, things you hear like fire safety with Christmas trees, um, and the environmental impacts. Never understood, I think, really the process and artificial of an artificial Christmas tree being made. I think I know next year I'm definitely looking forward to going out and getting a real one. Yeah, no, absolutely. Same here. Grew up with with real trees uh, with my parents going out to get them, but you know they they sort of have transitioned to artificial. Um, I've I've done artificial. I've done both. Uh, but definitely with with a new baby coming soon after the Christmas holiday, looking forward to next year when he will experience his first real Christmas tree at Christmas time. So I know that's that's something that I enjoyed as a kid, and I, I want to make sure that that the next generation of Stevenses, uh, <laughs> you know, gets to experience that as well. So learned a lot. Uh, great information, as Tim said. Check them out online, realchristmastrees.org. And until next time, when we will be back in session. 